Cell, Donut, Survivor. This is Patterns of Development. Hey everyone, I'm Kyle Gulau, and on this show, Patterns of Development, we take less than 10 minutes to deconstruct what's going on in real estate architecture and urban planning. The value proposition of this show, you don't have a lot of time, and I find interesting stuff related to our cities and summarize it here for you, giving you the next secret weapon, that next knowledge bomb to drop in your next meeting. My own secret goal is if I truly study this stuff long enough, patterns will emerge, and I'll be a better developer, consultant, coach, neighbor, and citizen. And that's what this podcast is. My studies, my learnings, my findings shared and summarized for you. Welcome to the Patterns of Development. And this week, our big fact, the big number, is the best-selling electric vehicle in the United States. If you thought Tesla, GM, Ford, or Rivian, you're wrong. In fact, if you combine all of those brands together, you're still wrong. The most popular electric vehicle in the United States in 2021 was the electric bike. According to the Light Electric Vehicle Association, 790,000 two-wheelers were imported to the United States in 2021. Hardly a sales number, but the thinking goes that imports equal sales and potential demand. The e-bike market isn't as regulated, so as far as we can tell, actual sales numbers aren't available, as far as I can tell in my research anyway. We do know electric car sales, however. It's a little more regulated market, and that total was 652,000 in 2021, and that includes plug-in hybrids, according to data from Bloomberg. The next question, is this a fad or is this just a COVID thing? What's going on here? Electric cars and bikes were essentially tied for sales and imports in 2019. 2020, e-bikes took the lead and continue to outpace electric car sales in 2021. There's so many things to talk about here, and I love to get into Rivian, GM, and Ford and how they're all copying the playbook of Tesla to use storytelling and electric vehicles to get access to cheap capital, but that is an entirely different show. I believe what we have here is people generally don't need to drive as much to get around the neighborhood you can buy 20 bikes, 20 e-bikes for the price of a Tesla, and it doesn't have the same type of signaling. Your neighbors probably won't think you're as cool because you're riding an e-bike and not a Tesla. You don't have to pay for insurance, which is a nice thing. People don't need to drive as much because how we work continues to change. And as we continue to grind through the pandemic into this new year, people are still working from home and people are still making predictions. Two professors from Stanford, Arjun Ramani and Nicholas Bloom, have made their own prediction and have written a paper called The Donut Effect of COVID-19 on Our Cities. And here's the abstract of their paper. And yes, it is related to cars and e-bikes. Using data, this is this is Mr. Bloom and Mr. Ramani now. Using data from the U.S. Postal Service and Zillow, we quantify the effects of COVID-19 on migration patterns and real estate markets within and across the United States. We find two key results. Result number one, first, within large U.S. cities, households, businesses, and real estate demand have moved from dense central business districts towards lower density suburban zip codes. We label this as the donut effect, reflecting the movement of activity outside of city centers to the suburban ring. And second, while this observed reallocation occurs within cities, we do not see major reallocation across cities. That is, there's less evidence for large-scale movement of activity from large U.S. cities to smaller regional cities or towns. We rationalize these findings by noting that working patterns post-pandemic will frequently be hybrid, with workers commuting to their business premises typically three days a week. This level of commuting is less than the pre-pandemic levels, making suburbs relatively more popular but too frequent to allow employees to leave the cities containing their employers. This is Kyle again. So the donut effect, you've got your city core and everyone appears to be moving just outside of it. 
But if you used to live in a city and you've got a little bit more space, that e-bike might just be that perfect hybrid transportation for your hybrid lifestyle. Last up, an article by Samuel Hughes in what I believe is his own blog newsletter thing called Work in Progress. He asks, how come we don't see old buildings that are ugly? And the obvious explanation is survivorship bias. And I like the description that Mr. Hughes put together for his article explaining survivorship bias. So I'll quote his article. This is Mr. Hughes now. The story of survivorship bias occurred during the Second World War when the U.S. military was analyzing the damage its bombers and fighter planes had sustained from enemy fire. The statistician, Abraham Wald, pointed out that the Air Force's records only included damage to bombers that had survived, meaning that all the damage to the more vital parts of the planes had gone unrecorded. Paradoxically, therefore, the parts of the planes which needed the most armoring turned out to be exactly the ones that were least recorded damage. The survivorship bias theory about buildings starts with the premise that people are less likely to demolish beautiful buildings than ugly ones, all else being equal. This will be partly because people like beauty, but also because the property owners who could afford to invest in the beauty in the first place could also afford to invest in maintaining the property. This is Kyle again. So as generations pass, more beautiful buildings get saved, the ugly ones get demolished, and the proportion of beautiful buildings continues to rise over time. But Mr. Hughes continues in his article that survivorship bias might be the easy answer. If you look back at photos from 1850 to 1900 of urban centers, you don't actually see any ugly buildings. And we've all heard the expression, they don't build them like they used to. But is that even true? And he continues to wonder about churches, war damage, and poverty. But I think the most important observation is the last that he makes. This is quoting the article again. There's another kind of bias theory which seeks to explain in it the terms of a bias in the observer. Beauty is in the eyes of the beholder, after all. I like to submit my own observation. If you can tell exactly when the building was made, it's probably ugly. 20 years from now, we're going to point to that mid-rise project in town and say, that is so 2020. If it's not timeless, is it ugly? That's food for thought. And leads us to our patterns of development this week. Number one, electric cars aren't even the most popular type of electric transportation. And it's because electric cars are still cars. They rely on the same infrastructure that a car does and have the same cost of ownership. And they're just kind of better for the environment. Number two, a migration pattern's emerging, and it's called the donut effect, where people are moving away from city cores but still living in proximity to the city. And number three, is our world getting uglier, or have we stopped making timeless buildings in favor of cheapest material of the day? Form does follow finance. That's all for this week. I'll talk to you all soon. Please email me, kyle at patternsofdevelopment.com, with any feedback, thoughts, questions, topics to cover on future episodes. That'd be awesome. And of course, the big shout out to Rafi. Everyone who talks to me about this podcast tells me they love the theme. Rafi, thank you. Everyone, please check out his music on Spotify. And with that, let's keep looking for the patterns and building better cities. Talk to you all soon.